Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. message this morning, and I trust that this will be encouraging to you. Uh, If you're visiting with us, we are going through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, Uh, just having just completed the book of Revelation. We're now in Matthew, and uh, this is our fourth message. Uh, Hard to believe we've already been a month in the book of Matthew. Well, history tells us that in the 19th century, the whole world was watching with bated breath the campaigns of a man by the name of Napoleon. There was talk everywhere of marches and invasions and battles and bloodshed as the French dictator, he pushed his way through Europe. But did you know that babies were still being born during that time and there was no time to think about babies being born during this time period? However, it was the year 1809 while Napoleon was sweeping through Austria an important world-changing war that was taking place that babies were born and they were cradled in their mother's breasts. William Gladstone was born. He was destined to become one of the finest statesmen that England had ever produced. A guy by the name of Alfred Lord Tennyson was born to an obscure minister and his wife and he would one day greatly affect the literary world as we know it today. A man by the name of Oliver, or a child, a baby by the name of Oliver Wendell Holmes, was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts in 1809. It was also during this time that Edgar Allan Poe began his eventful, albeit tragic, life. In 1809, a physician by the name uh, of Darwin and his wife named their child Charles Robert. It was also during this same year that the cries of a newborn infant could be heard from a rugged log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky. The baby's name, Abraham Lincoln. Certainly, most uh, people uh, during this particular time period thought that the balance of the world, the destiny of the world was being shaped on an Austrian battlefield as Napoleon was racing through Europe. However, today, I would say in this audience of many hundreds of people that maybe a handful of history buffs could even name one or two of those battles that took place on this Austrian battlefield. Looking back, we realize that history was actually being shaped in the cradles of England and America as young mothers held in their arms the shakers and movers of the future. And the same could be said in the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. May I remind you that just like in the 19th century when Napoleon was ravaging the world in war and these babies were being born, that a similar similar incident was taking place. For we learned just a week ago that in the Roman Empire uh, there was a wicked king whose name was Herod. And in the Roman Empire they could care less about babies being born to Jewish families. But in this passage, as it shall show today, God was at work. And here's what he was doing. He was fulfilling prophecy 
from the Old Testament. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, can I just see them? Let everyone else see your Bible. Do you have a Bible this morning? Now, some of you may be using your phone or your iPad. Totally fine. Do you know that this is a living book? If you read it every day, it'll speak to you. Um, if you pray and ask God to give you guidance and direction, He'll do that through His Word. There are some that's even professed to be Christians that said that parts of this book is true. There are some who profess to be Christians that said that there are fables and stories that really couldn't have happened, but they're therefore just uh, an allegory, just to help us learn something. May I just tell you that 66 books work together in an amazing way. Written across thousands of years. And they all work together. Oh, this book doesn't shy away from the ugly. Yeah, you could read about rape and murder. And you could read about some unseemly things that has happened in history. The Bible does not shy away from that which is ugly. But then the Bible promises us a man by the name of Jesus Christ. And from the pages of the Old Testament, as we travel over into the New Testament, we see... This person of Jesus Christ prophesied in, uh, in history that was fulfilled with a passage of scripture that we're going to read today. So I invite you to take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And may we stand together as we responsibly read verses 12 through 23 this morning of Matthew chapter 2. As we normally do in responsive reading, I'll read the odd verses and Pastor Jonathan will lead you in the even verses, beginning in verse number 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. And there was until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose, and he took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Father, would you add your measure of blessing to the reading of your word? Would you help us to be able to set aside 
any and all distractions at this moment to hear from you. And Father, they're not hearing from Brent Armstrong. They're hearing from thy Holy Spirit through your word. And Father, I pray that we'll learn something and be encouraged that we have a perfect, complete book in our lap. Would you bless this message in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The major theme of the Old Testament is the coming of the Messiah, the Jewish King, the Savior of the world. It is part of every book. Matthew writes in his account, and that's what we're learning here as we go through the book of Matthew, uh, that he was writing to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. In chapter 2, we see four messianic prophecies about four geographic places that they are fulfilled. We covered the first one last week in verses 4 through 6 when we talked about the prophecy of Jesus' birth that took place in Bethlehem and how it was fulfilled. Today, I'd like for us to pick up and look at the remaining three prophecies here in Matthew chapter 2. And so let's look at Messianic promise number 2. And that is, we just simply call it what the Bible says, it's the escape to Egypt. The escape to Egypt. We read about that in verses 13. 14 and 15, and we see in verse number 13 that a warning was given. There is a warning that was given. It is probable uh, that all the events uh, in the middle of chapter 2, that is the Magi's meeting with Herod, the adoration of the Magi, uh, their departure to their own country, and Joseph's warning that it all took place on the same night. As a reminder from last week, the Magi had visited at night, and they bestowed their costly gifts. Um, and then the Bible even says, as they departed, uh, by God's instruction, uh, they went a different way. They did not go back to King Herod. Now imagine with me, it's later in the evening, the Magi have left, Joseph and Mary and their two-year-old son uh, it's time for bed, and Joseph, he lays down, and the Bible says as they were laying down there that, that probably Joseph was wondering about all these things that had just happened, and they, they received some very extravagant gifts. Do you remember what they were? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are very extravagant gifts given to a humble carpenter. Um, and, there, and as he was laying there, no doubt Joseph in his mind, in his exhilaration, thinking about the events of the night, all of that was cut short. For again, the Bible says, there was a messenger from the Lord. And the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And Joseph was told very specifically, and in your Bible you read it, that he was to flee with Jesus and Mary, and that word flee comes from a Greek word, fuego, from which we get our word fugitive. Flee means one who escapes from something or someone. And it's in the present imperative meaning that it is to be continued. So we might paraphrase it this way. Don't stop, but keep on running until you get to Egypt. That is the urgency of the message from this angel. And the reason... Well, this sudden warning is that we know that the Bible, the Bible says Herod is going to seek to destroy him. King Herod wanted to kill a two-year-old boy. Now, Jesus had come into the world to do this, to save sinners. Aren't you thankful for that Jesus came to save you? I'm thankful for that truth. Um, but he had barely arrived. He was at the young age of two years of age, and someone was trying to destroy him. And I say how odd or how ironic that Moses was hidden 
by the Jews uh, from the Egyptians, and Jesus was hidden from the Jews by the Egyptians. Did you catch what I just said? Moses was hidden by, from the Egyptians by the Jews, and yet we have Jesus being hidden from the Jews by the Egyptians. Oh, the warning was, you got to go. Well, we see there, we read in verse 14 and 15 about the flight or the journey, the flight. The first word of the angelic warning here was, arise. And the Bible says that Joseph arose. Can you imagine this small family scrambling around their little home trying to decide what was essential and what could be left behind? And Joseph, uh, he took Jesus, this two-year-old child, and he took Mary. And the Bible says they left by night. Probably that same night, the Magi were leaving for the east. This little family left for Egypt. And the Bible says they departed into Egypt. It was some 75 miles to the Egyptian border and probably another 100 miles to a place of safety. Can you imagine getting up? We do not know if they had animals. We do not know their method of transportation. But most likely it involved a lot of walking, 175 miles. Uh, the Bible says they stayed in Egypt until the death of Herod. We know very little of their stay in Egypt. Most likely they stayed in a place called Alexandria where there was a large Jewish settlement already. Uh, it is likely that the expensive gifts that we learned about last week from the Magi provided their needs and their, and, and, uh, and their expenses during this time. Isn't God great? He knew that they were going to need that, and he already took care of it. And it's, it's, it, history tells us that Herod died shortly after the massacre of those innocents uh, so that they uh, may have only been there for a few months, maybe a year. Again, the Bible doesn't say. But here was something that we know. Egypt, Egypt was a familiar place to, to, uh, to Jesus. Even uh, we know that from the Old Testament of how integral uh, it was for the Jewish people to be called out of Egypt. Well, I love the Bible and I love prophecy. Look, notice with me the prophecy in verse number 15. The prophecy in verse number 15. All these things happen that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Who was the prophet? So if you were to look in your, in your Old Testament, you would find that they were specifically talking about the prophet Hosea. The Holy Spirit in, inspired Matthew to include a line from Hosea chapter 1 and verse number 1. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Hosea's line was primarily a historical comment that spoke of God delivering his son Israel from uh, the slavery in Egypt some 700 years earlier. And 700 years after Hosea penned these words, God used them to prophetically speak of Christ who would be called out of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? I can see your excitement. <laughs> Hosea was speaking about the nation of Israel, then yet uh, uh, Matthew writes uh, prophetically about Christ and uh, 700 years apart. That's why your Bible is so awesome. It works together. It sees together. It is complete and it is authoritative. Well, let me get on to messianic promise number three. This is a sad part of history. As I said earlier, the Bible does tell us some of the negative things that have happened in history. So we see the massacre in Rama. We see the massacre in Rama. Now, what precipitated this? What caused this? 
We have to go back to King Herod and we see his anger. King Herod was an angry man. And the Bible says in verse 16, Herod saw that he was mocked. Mocked here has the idea of deceiving. It, uh, its root means to play like a child in the sense of jesting or making fun of or making sport. It's used to describe the taunts of Jesus' enemies. Remember back in verse number 8 of this passage of Scripture that Herod had actually, the Bible says, sent the Magi to Bethlehem to find this child. Uh, they were to bring a word back to Herod of, uh, of the location of where this child, this future king of the kings, this future Messiah of the Jews, uh, the Magi were to return to King Herod, and they were to tell King Herod the location of this child. And Herod comes up with this flimsy little excuse that says that I might come and worship him also. Well, in verse 12, we're told that the Magi were warned again by an angel of God that they should not return to Herod. And the Bible says they departed unto their own country in a completely different way, a different route. It was not that the Magi intentionally tricked Herod. You know what they did? They obeyed God. And they simply obeyed God. But Herod, not being a believer, not being a Christian, he saw it as a mocking deception. And King Herod, the Bible uses these words, became exceedingly wroth. His anger was legendary. In anger, he had his brother-in-law and his mother-in-law and his wife and four of his sons killed. Well, he was a pleasant guy. Uh, his aides didn't know at any one time when they could die. Well, we see in verse number 16 the sad truth of what happened, and that is Herod's massacre. Herod's massacre. The Bible says he ordered the immediate death of all the male children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years of age and, and, and under. He used the age of two because he had diligently inquired of those magi or wise men uh, the age, uh, the birth of when that star appeared. Imagine those soldiers. I did not mean to be crass this morning in any way. But imagine those soldiers entering into the house, bursting into the house, hearing a crying baby, identifying that baby as a boy, two years of age, and using the butt of a sword and killing those children. Helpless the Jewish people were as their sons were snatched from, their, uh, from, the, from, the, from the mother holding them and then having to have a funeral immediately after I see sometimes the Bible tells us of the cataclysmic war that's ongoing, a war that we cannot see between the kingdom of God and the forces of darkness. My friend, make no mistake, it's still just as powerful today. But in this, we see another prophet of the Old Testament called Jeremiah. We see Jeremiah's prophecy listed for us there in verses 17 and 18. The terrible killing of these children was a fulfillment a completing, if you will, of the Old Testament uh, prophecy that was found in Jeremiah chapter 31. In fact, you have your Bibles. Why don't you just flip over to the Old Testament there and find Jeremiah chapter 31. Let me show you how this passage of Scripture works directly with the current passage of Scripture that we just read. Jeremiah chapter 31. 
As with many prophecies, this one had an initial and a final fulfillment. The initial fulfillment was in the great sorrow of Israel when most of her people were carried away into Babylonian captivity. Ramah was a town outside of Jerusalem. It was a place uh, where the captives were deported. We know that Rachel refers to all the Jewish mothers that were weeping over their tragedy. Notice with me in Jeremiah 31, verse 16 and 17, as we read about the rest of this prophecy. The Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, Refrain thy voice from weeping, and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy, and there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. Though this was a horrible tragedy, the work of Christ would bring a great salvation. Psalm 30 and verse number 11 says this, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. May I just say all children die because of sin. However, we can rejoice in the fact that children are with the Lord. And all of these two-year-old children and younger who were killed needlessly murdered, absent from the body, was to be present with the Lord. I'm thankful for that. But there's one final messianic promise that I'd like for us to look at, and we call that messianic promise number four, and that is the new home in Nazareth. The new home in Nazareth. Four geographic locations prophesied Right here in Matthew chapter 2, that we had its original prophecy in the Old Testament. Well, can you imagine such a thing? How many years had it been since God spoke to people in Israel before this whole part of Matthew took place? How many years? 400 years. Can you imagine praying to a God your entire lifetime and he never answered one of your prayers? 400 years have passed. And suddenly, these angels are just talking to everybody. Look with me here. There's another appearance from an angel. And we read about that in verse 19 and 20. When Herod was dead, again, Joseph saw an angel of the Lord appear to him in a dream. How many times has this happened in Joseph's life? Three. Three times there's been an angel come to speak to Joseph. Wow, he is a blessed man. He was a man that was integral in the early years of Jesus' life. And the Bible says that he was told, for they, uh, that for they are dead which sought the young child's life. There's a, a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, and he reported that Herod actually died of ulcerated entrails, purified and maggot-filled organs, constant convulsions, foul breath, and neither physicians nor warm baths could lead to his recovery. May I just say, what a fitting end to such a deplorable man. The angel spoke of those things uh, who had wanted to kill Jesus, implying that there were more than just Herod. And, and the angel, when he was talking to Joseph, it, it was like there was this conversation because it led to another warning from God. And we see that in verse 21 and verse 22. Joseph moved his family back toward Israel. And he was not told where to go initially in Israel, but it seems that they were going to go back to Judea. Uh, then he heard that Archelaus, uh, by the way, you did a wonderful job pronouncing that when you were reading. Uh, we heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah. Now here's what history records, is that he was cut from the same cloth as his father, Herod. He was, uh, uh, he, he wants Archelaus, he wants 
killed 3,000 Jews for a revolt, which most of them had no part, were clueless, didn't even know why they were going to be killed. This was a wicked man. Boy, the, boy history records a lot of wicked, wicked rulers in this world. Because of Archelaus, Joseph was afraid to go to Judea, the Bible says, and while pondering where to go, the Bible says he was warned of God in a dream. Perhaps the angel came back. Perhaps it was the same dream. We don't know the time span there. But the Bible says this. So he went to the region of Galilee. Uh, how many of you know how, how many of you understand that there was a lot of Jesus' ministry that took place around the Sea of Galilee? And so out of Egypt, because Joseph obeyed the word of God, he took his young family and he went to the Sea of Galilee. And again, to live in a place called the city of Nazareth. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 4 reveals that this was the city from which both he and Mary were originally uh, uh, from. And so we have in verse 23 another prophecy fulfilled. Another prophecy fulfilled. He came to Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. The apparent problem is nowhere in the Old Testament... Is there a quote that says of the Messiah that he shall be called a Nazarene? Notice that it says that this was spoken by the prophet. So how is that possible? Do you know that there were hundreds and perhaps thousands of prophets in Israel's history? And not, were, not all were moved by the Holy Spirit to pen or, or write a book of the Old Testament. You do understand that only a fraction of Jesus' miracles have ever been recorded to us. Not until we get to heaven will we even understand the, totali the totality um, uh, of Jesus' ministry. The fact of the matter is that we only have enough to know that Jesus was an amazing man who gave his life for all of us. But it seems that this saying right, that we read right here in verse number 23, uh, though not a part of Scripture, was a, was a common knowledge revealed to many of the prophets. Several times, the New Testament speaks of events or sayings that were not in the Old Testament. Listen to Jude, verse 14 and 15. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that they are ungodly among them, all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Do you know this is not recorded in the Old Testament? Where did Enoch live? In the Old Testament. So we know that we don't even have all the history of the Old Testament, but it's often reaffirmed in the New Testament. And so even though it's not mentioned in the Gospels, we know that Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive, because Luke refers to it in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Um, John did not even begin to write down everything that Jesus said during his three and a half year ministry. Instead, the Bible says this, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. The fact of the matter is, is that there's so much more to history than what we have in our Bible. But here's what is amazing. There are four events in Matthew chapter 2 that are prophesied, and we have its fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2, hundreds of years apart. Doesn't that give you confidence in your Bible? Now, the Bible says that Nazareth was a rude, crude town. To be called a Nazarene was often considered an insult. And 
John chapter 1, Philip came to Nathanael, and they were talking, and, and, uh, and here's how the story goes. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus, the Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You can hear his excitement there. And Nathanael said, Now you have to read your Bible with some creative imagination sometimes. I believe Nathanael said smugly, sarcastically unto, uh, uh, unto Philip, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Now, this is our invitation to you today. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself that Jesus is the King of kings. Come and see for yourself that Jesus is the Lord of lords. Come and see for yourself that Jesus still lives today. Come and see for yourself that Jesus will forgive your sin. Come and see for yourself that Jesus will still give peace and hope and love. Come and see that he can take your old life and he can give you a new one. Come and see that Jesus was born in a manger and he was adored by the Magi and he was swept away to Egypt and he was the object of a massacre and the one who was called a Nazarene. And come and see that this person, in fact, lived in history. And come and see that he died for your sin. Come and see that he rose again three days later. Come and see that he can absolutely change your life today. May I just say, as I transition to our invitation time, and you can close your Bibles and put up your notes. There are those seated among us this morning, whether in the balcony, down here on the main floor, or perhaps watching by live stream, and thank you by, for watching this morning, that you have this incredible head knowledge. In fact, you could say, I have read through the whole Bible, and thank you for doing that, it's amazing. You could say, I've memorized vast portions of the Bible. And that's awesome too. And there are some of you this morning, you, you could actually say, I come every Sunday morning and I take good notes. And thank you for doing that. And there are some of you that could say, I have this knowledge that there, there is a God. I'm super religious. But may I just tell you that when you meet Jesus, he will change your life. And he will change your life for the better. Will your trials and temptations go away? Will you still have sorrows on this side of eternity? Will you still have struggles? Oh, absolutely. Our bodies are nothing but uh, a, a piece of flesh and blood that's failing. In fact, that's why very rarely does anyone ever live to 100 anymore. And that's why the Bible says if you live to 70, you've lived a complete life. And, and then if you live longer than that, you're certainly blessed. But 70, 70 to 80 is our lifespan. And there are people say, hey, listen, I'm super religious, but your life hasn't been changed by Jesus. I want you to come and see. That's what the Bible says. The direct words from the Word of God in Matthew chapter 2, come and see. Come and see. Jesus will change your life. Now.
I have everyone's attention. No one's sleeping. Everyone's looking this way. Everyone's put up their notes. Thank you so much. May I just give you eyeball to eyeball a direct challenge. You're struggling this morning. You're struggling because your life seems unfulfilled. You don't have as much money in the bank. And that's what drives you is money. How much money can I have in the bank? And for others, maybe you're striving for some relationship that's just simply not possible. And you're struggling for that and you're longing for that. Or for others, maybe there is there's this emptiness that when you put your head on your pillow at night and you say, is it worth it? And there are those here this morning, you have masked it well. You have, you have definitely covered it up well. You are looking at drugs. Oh, that could come in the form of prescription pills or what they call illegal drugs. It doesn't matter. But some of you are looking for drugs to put in your life to finally have some type of relief from the pressures. I beg you this morning to come and see. Jesus will change your life.